Morning. Hey, thanks, Nick. Very kind of you. So, um, this is a fun story here. I, I'm, I'm going to be talking today about a personal relationship with Jesus. We've been in this series, and we're talking about that. We've been, uh, and we're going to talk about it again next week. So, this is part A of a part A and B message, and I'm going to give you part of it, and hopefully make you still want to come back next week. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this, this message, you know, and I was on a, uh, a plane, I was on a trip, uh, I travel a lot with my job, I, was, I happened to be traveling with a good friend this particular time, in the airline magazine, if you, if you fly a lot, you know that these airline magazines are, are kind of fun to read, they have some great stories, one of the things they put in there is this idea of this three perfect days, so they'll pick some city that they would love to sell you airline tickets to, you know, visit for three days, and they make, they, they make it sound wonderful, and most of them really are. So here's one about Sydney, it's featured, featured it's not Sydney, uh, Illinois, by the way, it's, it's on the other side of the world, and uh, so we were talking about this, you know, what do we say about our personal relationship with Jesus, that with the two of us, like all of us here, I think, it's a, it's a huge treasure that we carry, but how do you communicate that, you know, like, okay, so I'm going to tell you in the next 11 minutes, everything I've learned in the last 40 years. You know, it's just like, okay, how do you do that? So we were looking at this picture, and on the cover of it, it's talking about Sydney, and, and there's one person in the room that's familiar with Sydney at least. I hope there's other people who have either gone there or going to go there. Anyway, um, what the, the picture is, and I wish you could see it, I wish we could put it up on the screen, but there's this beautiful pool, this swimming pool, and it's right next to the ocean, and you can see the ocean kind of coming up on the, on the rocks right outside of it. And we were just, the thought occurred to us as we were talking about this is that sometimes we think that our walk and our relationship with Jesus is so incredible. And then we come to this moment of realization and we realize that actually we're just swimming in the pool. And the invitation that's coming from heaven is to get into the ocean. And I just hope that you kind of catch that in this series of messages that we're being invited into more. I've been going, going after this thing for a long time. There's other people that have in this, in this room. And we've been going after this thing, and we've been learning, and we're getting better at it. And yet, it's, there's, no, there's never a sense of having arrived. Because we're, we're, we're like that great uh, scripture that says we're looking for this city whose architect and builder is God. And in a way, in our relationship with Jesus, we're looking to get out of the backwaters, out of the, the pool, into the ocean, where things are really happening. Absolutely limitless. Did you like that story? How about that from the airline magazine? In fact, this one, there's actually nine of these pools that are absolutely incredible and beautiful on the, along the beach in Sydney that are built right next to the ocean. So you can be swimming in the pool and look just over the edge and see the ocean. I want to, I want to go there. Anybody? Can we, can we arrange a trip? <laughs> Who, who's on board with this? <laughs> yeah, we'll call it a, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so the, the title of my message is From Heart to Heart. I really want to kind of bring out the heart element of this, right? And so I think it's important. I'd like to begin by talking with some friendship examples from Scripture that have been inspiring to me and to many. I'd like to talk about my personal vision for friendship with God. You know, I, I feel it's important for each of us to have our own personal vision that we begin to pursue and walk out for how we navigate our personal walk with Jesus and our friendship with God. And then I want to just share with you some declarations that I like to think cultivate my relationship with Jesus. You know, we're all having ups and downs in this journey, right? We have days when we feel so close to Jesus, 
is just incredible and it's precious and priceless and nothing compares. Then we have days that, you know, like they say, some days are diamonds and some days are stones. <laughs> and, you know, we all have them. But in those moments, we need to be able to have a way to connect to the reality of the closeness of Jesus. We see the nearness of God is our inheritance through the blood of Jesus. And then, so next week I'm going to talk about a fresh vision for today, for this season. You know, my vision has been cooking for a while, and we want to get to the place where, but it's always, there's always a time to be a fresh vision. Um, so I want to talk next week about some values that ground us. You know, it's great to have a vision, but if we're not grounded with a set of values, we may not make it. And so we, we need to get our groundings there, our foundations in place of fundamental things that are incontrovertible, is that a word? And that will help us. Um, so here's some examples. So this is one of my favorites. Um, it says in, in, in Exodus chapter 33, it says, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks. I don't know about you, but that inspires me. I love this notion of me speaking to God face to face, like another, like a person speaks to their friend. Like that inspires me. And you know what? There's a pioneer that went there. And because that pioneer went there, that means we can go there. You know what? Once upon a time, the land that we live in was actually not settled by civilization. It, there were some, you know, people that were here before civilization landed. God bless them. Uh, but this was a this was a frontier land. Somebody went out and pioneered that. And now, because of that, we live here. We don't even think about it. There was a day when, at the Louisiana Purchase in the early 1800s, when Lewis and Clark went out and discovered and, and explored this brand new land that had been purchased, and they went across the Plain States, and it began to be recorded on the note on the map. As the Great American Desert. And it was like, wow, it's just a lot of grass out here, nothing's ever going to happen. A few generations later, because of the advent of the technology of hard red winter wheat from Russia, it became known as the breadbasket of the world. See, one innovation, one technology, one breakthrough can completely transform a nation, a place, and a heart, the heart of man. Moses had actually missed his destiny. He had run from God. He was living in the backside of the wilderness until there was an encounter at the burning bush when he met with God and altered the course of his life. I, I propose to you that all of us in this room are one encounter away from getting right in the center of the destiny that we've been created for. Walking out a relationship with God where you and I are the ones who are talking to God face to face. Sounds exciting, right? I love this scripture. Uh, let's, let's think about Adam and Eve for a moment. In, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says that they were, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. And, and of course, the context here is that they, they were hiding from God because they had done something they weren't supposed to do. So he asked them to do this, and they said, they went a different direction. So they were hiding. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm meditating on that scripture, how did they know it was God? They heard a sound, but how did they know it was him? I'm thinking maybe that was a sound they were familiar with. 
custom. They knew what it sounded like because God came looking for them every day. It says, in the cool of the day, they heard the sound of God in the garden. And I propose to you that God is the one who is looking for them. He started all of creation being the one who goes looking for people. I think he's still like that. I think he's looking for you and me. And when we find ourselves in our best moments, when we find ourselves in our worst moments, we have the encounter, and God is the one who comes looking for us. There's some teaching out there that says that if you want to get out of your trouble, you've got to go seek God. You've got to go find him. And I, I think there's some bad, that's valid, right? But don't forget, maybe even first place, is that he's coming and looking So Abraham, I would just like to submit to you that God has always been a pursuer. It starts in Genesis, it goes through every book of the Bible. He's a pursuer. Abraham was described as a friend of God. Jacob became a friend as well. He's, this, this line, this, we come from a long line of pioneers that went after and built this relationship with God. And we're just continuing that on. But somewhere along the way, you know, we, we, we read about guys like David, and he had this incredible relationship with God. So one of the first relationships to inspire me was the way David walked with God. You could see David pouring out his heart and building his life from a shepherd boy on the backside of the mountains to a guy who sat in a palace. And again, he was this pioneer to open up things for us. And then we, we turn the corner and we look at the New Testament. Jesus comes to dwell among us. Once again, he's pursuing mankind. He stated his mission, I came to seek and save the lost. He's the one. He's the one that's looking for us. And you know what? He found his friends and he laid down his life for them. It says, greater love has no man than he laid down his life for his found his friends, and he laid down his life for them. John 15, he says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. This is Jesus talking, okay? Sometimes i got to be reminded, because I think I messed up. I think I missed it somewhere. I think I've been either discouraged or depressed or, or you know, letting my inner idiot out and things aren't going well. I, those are the moments that I need people around me I, and to remind me that Jesus is the one. He started this thing. I didn't make this friendship thing up. He did. He said that no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And he defines that by saying, I, and, and I'm going to show you what I'm doing. There's a transparency to friendship. Can you imagine the God, the creator of the universe, saying, I'm going to open up my life in transparency to you? That sounds like genuine friendship. That sounds like something that goes deep. I want that. And then a couple of chapters later in, in John 17, he prays that we would be one as he and the Father is one. That sounds like friendship again. He's inviting us. He's actually asking the Father to build the kind of friendship relationship with each individual person that he has. Not, not a sort of a 
a second or third level relationship. He says, just like what I have. That's what I want. Sounds good. So God, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time finding God. I, my brain knows that he's my friend. My brain knows that he loves me. But my feelings are, that where is God? I can't seem to find him right now. And here's a fun story. The Lord helped me to kind of get a grasp on that. So I have a little grandson. He, he's, he turns nine this year. But when he was two, his name is Abram. And when he would come to our house, one of his favorite things, you guys totally get this, and if there's some grandparents in the room, I'm sorry, I'm just being that grandparent that you always thought was goofy. But anyway, my little grandson would run through the house. From if, if you've been in our house from the front door to the kind of the back part of the living room, there's this long, if you're a little kid, it's huge, it's really long and it's big. And so his favorite thing to do was run. And he would laugh out loud because he knew that grandpa was chasing him. And, and then once we did that for a while, and he wore me out, then he would want to play hide-and-seek. And so little Abram, the two-year-old, he would hide, and he would want me to come find him, which was so fun because I love finding him. He'd get all excited. And then he would want me to hide. And it occurred to me, the Lord just kind of got my attention. He said, you know what? If, if I wanted to, I could hide somewhere where Abram, Abram would never find me. He's a two-year-old. He doesn't know where to look. And God said, you know what? Sometimes, uh, God says to me, if, if I wanted to, I could hide somewhere and you would never find me. I mean, he's the creator of the universe, right? There's a, several places in the universe that I'm completely unaware of. And if he wanted to, he could hide there and I would never find him. But then he brings me back to Abram and he's, I want Abram to find me. There's this moment of jumping up and down and laughing out loud when Abram finds me. You know what? I think that that's the way God is. He wants us to find him. Sometimes we need help. So sometimes I would hide someplace because Abram's dad, my son, would be in the game. And you know what? I could hide places that Abram would easily find me, and I could, you know, but if I hide it in other places, then he needed his dad's help to find me there. I like that picture. We need somebody's help, somebody who's gone before us. Help us find God in those moments when we can't seem to figure out where he is. We don't know up from down, left from right. We don't know backwards from forward. But we can get into those places. And you know what? We need to have people in our lives that we can reach to that will help us find God in those moments. Because in those moments is that latency of encounter with God that will transform our destiny for a lifetime. I really believe that in those moments when we're feeling disconnected to God, there, there's this invitation that comes from heaven to connect with him in a way that connects us more closely to our destiny than ever. You like that picture? So my life, so, so friendship with God is ours to find. And I believe that he hides in places that are easy to find. God hides in, yeah, so, <laughs> so my life has been marked by one desire. One desire. I've been, I've been on this life quest. I have set my heart to know God himself. Early in my journey, I took up a vision that I received to find an abiding friendship with God. I received an invitation, a noble invitation, I think, to seek first the kingdom of God. What a noble invitation. You heard that invitation. In the process of seeking, I've become a student of his words. And his words have become life to me. 
and I developed a sense of treasure for his word. And I've hidden his word in my heart, and I've come to know him as my treasure. So there's some examples, and so I want to talk a little bit about my vision here for the next few moments about friendship with God. So I have a friendship, I have a vision. I just encourage you to pick up a vision, you know, craft a vision, pull it together. Ask God, God, what vision do you want me to carry? Uh, as to how to navigate and how to build a friendship relationship with you. So I have a vision for friendship with God that's rich and deep. A friendship founded on covenant and defined by worship and prayer, filled with honor for a friend who is like no other. My friend, my vision is not a secret. It can be found right where I found it. By grace, I have, I have entered into this relationship. I believe God has spoken to me through the scriptures as they are brought to life by Holy Spirit. And that's where it's been revealed to me. This path, this way of navigating, this way of thinking, this, this pursuit, uh, this destiny, uh, yeah, to, to pursue a relationship with God. And, and, and so I went on this journey, and I, when I read that Jesus asked his disciples to watch and pray for one hour, I wasn't doing an hour. I thought, wow, I'm getting a fresh new invitation. <laughs> and so I, I began to build into my life this relationship of pursuing God for an hour a day. What a crazy idea. What a novel concept. So I increased my time to spend an hour each day with my friend. I received instruction and declaration and prayer, worship, Bible reading, listening, and journaling. And my heart. I just want to put a cautionary insertion here. You know, we're all on a journey, right? And if it's hard to go from zero to 60 minutes uh, if, if you're not accustomed. And so there's a time for everything. And I, I don't want this to be a, a note, a, sort of an in, uh, in unintentionally communicate that unless you spend an hour a day with God, then you just suck. <laughs> But you know what? That's the message that gets out there sometimes. People either unintentionally or maybe even intentionally will say stuff like that. That's just so misguided. That's, that's wrong intended, right? That's not the heart of God. He wants to draw us in. So please don't, don't hear that as, gosh, until you do that, you're, you're just barely, uh, you know, you're not really even getting started. So, but however, I, I got on this journey and one hour was challenging because I was building a marriage. And I was, build, I was raising a family. And I was also building a life group and cultivating relationships and building a career. And I was working overtime like we do in America. You know, guys, we all work way too much, right? Hopefully not, but that sometimes seems to happen. John, got you, man. <laughs> no, it is, it's, it's so easy to get drawn into it. It's normal. And, and I was drawn into it. And, and I, I, it's, so I, I've nav tried to navigate this tension of maintaining balance. Uh, and, and I've been doing it for a long time, and I, hopefully I'm getting better. But I need others with me, and, and, and I needed people around me to help me maintain those balance because at the same time I was working a lot, I was also building leadership into my life. I sent some foundational elements. What is leadership, and how does that navigate for me? And am I a leader? Are leaders born, or are they made? I happen to believe that there are some that are born that way, but I feel like there's a lot more of them that are made. If you don't feel like you're a leader, and I would love to have a conversation with you to try to convince you, persuade you that the seeds of leadership are planted by the King of Kings 
in the heart of who you are. <laughs> Leadership is, is who we are. Each day I would go to a quiet place early in the morning to meet with God. And sometimes I would cry out at the top of my voice. And sometimes I would pray the scriptures and pour out my heart to God. When I would get upset by circumstances or challenges and other relationships, I would take it to God and, and I would try to not tell others until I told God and got his perspective on it. And then I would repent a lot. You're supposed to laugh. Um, you know, repentance, I found, at first I didn't want to repent. I didn't want to admit. I didn't want to kind of come to terms. I didn't want to get to the bottom of the issues that I was facing. But then after a while of learning this and being, seeing it modeled for me by others, I realized that repentance is the path of life. On the other side of repentance is a greater dimension of life. The very life of God lies on the other side of repentance. So you and I, it, repentance is normal in the Christian life. We've got to change our mind from time to time and get realigned with the path that God is leading us on. There is a more excellent way, as Paul calls it, is the way of love. You know, on the, on the threshold of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where God breaks down what the love of God looks like, he says, let me show you a more excellent way. And I found God, in those times, he's showing me that more excellent way. <laughs> I've learned that he will be my place of refuge when I make mistakes or experience failures. When I feel misunderstood or misjudged or unknown, I run to him. I I, I learned he shapes my character in the places where I need it most. He fills the voids of my integrity with his strength. He leads me into uncharted territory to discover things I need to know and try things I was afraid of. He has become my mentor and my disciple maker. Through walking out reverence and deep-hearted worship, he has become my friend. And I now have a relationship with him that is the greatest treasure. been a lot of stuff to work through along the journey. A lot of me that got in the way. Sometimes my imperfections would tend to stall out things in this growth and development process of my relationship with Jesus. But he's so graceful and he's so kind. And he's very, very patient. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. He could be harsh in those moments where, why can't you get this together? <laughs> Sometimes he'll work on things with me. Time and again, you know, I have to go through the training and trial process multiple times before it kind of breaks open to me that, oh, wow, maybe I need to change. And <laughs> you've been trying to get me to change, and I couldn't hear it, or I wasn't willing to listen. And then in his kind and his loving way, he breaks through. You know, it says that his gentleness makes me great. There's a whole raft of knowledge and conventional wisdom out there that says harshness is what we need lift us, to get us to greatness. The scripture actually says that his gentleness makes us great. I like that. If someone had not brought me a vision to seek God with all my heart and modeled for me how to seek first the kingdom, I may have settled for less. Instead, by grace, and found a deep friendship, a deep prayer life, deep worship, and a heart that's more than what I actually had. Although a passionate vision for a loving friendship with faithful pursuit can change my generation, every generation that follows. 
come into his presence each day with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise by saying the hidden word, the word that I've hidden in my heart out loud. So let me give you an example of that. So when I come into the Lord's presence, I declare one thing of my desire to the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. and Behold the beauty of the Lord and meditate in his temple. Great is your faithfulness. I thank you that your loving kindness and your tender mercies are new every morning. Thank you that you loved me first. We read in John, 1 John 4.19 that we love him because he first loved us. What a powerful, so simple, incredibly powerful scripture. You loved me first. And because of that, I can love him. And what that says to me that he is, I am his first love. I want to reciprocate by making him my first love. So I declare, you are my first love. Your loving kindness actually is better than life. And I say, along with the Song of Solomon, draw me into you. Let us run together. You are my blessed hope. You are my chief. In fact, all my springs of joy are in you. You, O oh God, my friend, are arrayed in splendor and clothed in majesty. You are my portion. David, I say with David, whom have I in heaven but you? Besides you, I desire nothing on the earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart portion forever. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none upon the earth that I desire besides you. Yes, you are my portion. I delight in thee, my Lord and King. I delight in your presence, O Lord. Isn't this good? You start getting, I start getting encouraged when I start saying these things because it's the truth. It's declaring the truth. Every one of these is, is extractions from the scriptures. And they become sort of my treasure, my, my, my portfolio of things that I can pull out at a moment's notice because they've been built into my life over a system. I don't have to go looking these words up. They're, they're right there when I need them most. But you know what? Sometimes I get off. I get into pride. Yep, it's true. I get into fear, discouragement. Sometimes I have this conflict on the inside with another person or another issue and so sometimes that actually can kind of interrupt the flood between my friend and I. <laughs> and it feels like there's this distance created. And what do I do with that? Well, my scripture teaches me that that's the time when I confess my sins. In 1 John it says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive my sins and further to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And in, in, in Acts we see the instruction to repent and return. Why is that? Why do we need to be repent and return? If you read the rest of the scripture, it says, so that your sins may be wiped away. In order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I find myself in places where I need times of refreshing. Sometimes I'm so unrefreshed, I can't even find words for it. But you know what? The times of refreshing are just a repentance away. Sometimes his precious characteristics are captured in a song. 
I love that song that we sing these days that says that you don't have to come, but you're always here. You show up and surrender, and you change the whole thing. There's another great scripture that says that you don't give your heart in pieces. I just I printed out the lyrics to that song and I meditated on it. It's such a great revelation of the pure and unadulterated love of God. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just I would just encourage you to find that scripture, print out those lyrics, and meditate on that because it helps me get an accurate grid for the way God loves me. He's not the God that love gives his heart in pieces. You know, he was convicting in the way I love my wife and the way I love other people. Is I want to upgrade the way I love to be on par with the way God loves. His love changes everything. I believe that the love of God is the most powerful force in the universe. People that are in a place where they cannot be changed are changed by the love of God. I want to talk for a few moments about a heart realm, about the heart realm, and then I want to come to a close. So when I talked about this the title of this message being from heart to heart, you know, I want my heart to be moved by the things that move God's heart. I believe there's this process we go through, this learning and instructional period that we are on, this journey that we're on, and, and it has to do with the heart realm. If we, if, we, if we leave it in the head realm, we're leaving something really crucial out. I really believe that the heart realm is so important. So let me just share with you some thoughts on that. You know, one of the, one of the grid pieces that I think is really important is this understanding we get from 1 Samuel, where it says, God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Wow, what a, what a great understanding, sort of fundamental for us to have, is that we just fall into this sort of grit, this, this groove, or this, this rut, could be said, where we're looking at the outward appearance, but God's not distracted by the outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. So fundamental to our understanding. And then in Psalm 119, Psalm 119, we hear the psalmist say, Your word I have treasured in my heart. Where do we put what we treasure most? We put it in our heart. I'd love to say so many more things about this, but let's, let's, let's grasp this notion that that thing that we treasure most is what's stored in our heart. And then um, there's, a, there's a fun scripture where Jesus, you know, after Jesus rose from the dead, he was walking on the Emmaus Road with a couple of his disciples. What did they have to say about that? As they walked with him and he opened up the scriptures, they said, they said to one another, we're not our hearts burning within us. While he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us. I believe that the rest of their lives was marked by that experience of walking with Jesus. Something happened in their heart that was so foundational that laid down a grid for everything that would come I want those kinds of experiences in my life. I want my heart to be available to him. I don't want to keep God at a distance from my heart. When I'm in a place where my heart might be hurting, my heart feels disappointed, sometimes I've gone through experiences and I'm, I've gotten to this big giant question, can I actually trust God because of this thing that happened or that thing that happened? Can I really trust you, God? I think that's a great question for us to be asking. We need to get to that trust level. Trust is a rare commodity in our world. There's a lot of superficial trust that's out there, but the deep-hearted trust becomes more and more rare over time from my perspective and my point of observation. And God is the most trustworthy person. 
how come we find ourselves in places sometimes when we're not sure if we can trust him? It's how we navigate that relationship, how we repair the relationship and get back to trust to where he is that solid, trustworthy person. I just would love to talk to you more about navigating those waters. You know, when tough stuff happens, um, you know, I, I, um, one of those things when we have great loss, it, it's, it, it puts us in that place of challenge. You know, um, year before last, my mom died. And, you know, at the beginning, you know, it's, it's hard, you know. I, I, I say sometimes that nothing in life prepares you for losing your mom. I say the same thing about my dad. My dad died uh, many years ago now, but uh, it was like this big giant thing, you know. Now I'm, I'm like an orphan. My dad's gone, my mom's gone, and if I were a child, they would call me an orphan. But for some reason, we don't do that with adults, but we should. But man, I just, I was in uncharted territory. I always had my mom to lean on. And, and before that, I had my dad to lean on. And God took him away, you know, because he, he's the one that decides on this stuff. And so I had to go back and rebuild trust. I was, I was so convinced that I needed, that I wanted to do that. I was resolute to do that, go into what this uncharted territory and find God and get that reconnect that I had somehow had been diminished by some degree through this difficult situation. And what I can say to you is that I met God. And in the midst of the sorrow of walking through those situations, I, I actually look back at those times now and see the encounter that I had with God and his faithfulness and trustworthiness distributed, this, this, uh, displayed. And so that's actually, when I look back at those things, that's what I think about, is how I met God in those situations. It says that he, is, he comforts those who mourn. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I've received that comfort. I had a, a grandson who died a couple years ago. I have to tell you, that's the hardest, hardest experience of my entire life. And it took time, but I met God in it. And now, in that experience, I look back and it's marked by the encounter with the one who understands, the one who cares, the one who comforts. Well, I'm convinced that in the hardest situation is an opportunity to meet God. All right. When Peter comes up and he preaches the first sermon of the new church on the day of Pentecost, there wasn't a church up until then, and now there was. And Peter is the first preacher of the first message. And it's interesting, one of the things that's said at the end of that message is this is the response from the audience. Now when they heard this, heard the message that Peter has been speaking that says they were pierced to the heart. And they said to the Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Because of the message had touched their heart, they knew they had to respond. They couldn't sort of walk away unaffected. They had to respond. God wants to invite us into those moments where he pierces our hearts. Sometimes our hearts just need to be pierced. Because we, whatever situation we found ourselves we've gotten into, our hearts need to be pierced. And then there's this other great scripture that um, certainly stands the test of time. In Romans 10.9, you probably all have it committed to heart. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart 
God raised him from the dead who he saved. So the heart is the instrument, the implement, the, the organ of faith. That's where it starts. It's, it's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. But, it, you know, the thing is, if we leak that, is that's only at the salvation experience? That's a principle that we, li we live out and we apply in every area of life. Yeah. You love that? Don't you love those heart scriptures? I love to just kind of look them up on my computer. Uh, I left my Bible in a hotel room this week, and so I had to rely on my computer normally, and I do. So I, I hope to get that Bible back. And, uh, yeah, so... So when I say these things, they bring to mind uh, what I've come to know about him and the ways I love him. And I've heard it said that by some people that um, some people know the acts of God and others know the ways of God. When I heard that, I said, oh, well, I want to know the ways of God. So I decided to pursue that path of knowing his ways and what he's like and how I could come to know his heart. And I would say to him, I, want, I would say to him in my prayer times, I want my heart to be moved by what your heart is. And so, in, in closing, uh, I want to go back to this fun little picture here. So, if you feel like you've been swimming in a pool that's smaller than what you want, and you want an upgrade, and you want to begin swimming in the ocean, oh, I believe there's an invitation here today. And so, if you long for an encounter with God that will launch you you to respond in this moment of opportunity to the things that God may be stirring in your heart as you listen to me talk. I just really want to put in front of you this vision that you and I, we think we're in the ocean and then we realize after a while when we get around other people or we read the scriptures or we have these encounters with God that we thought we were in the ocean but we're not yet. But we're headed there. That's where we're headed. We're headed to the ocean. So, yeah. With that, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, come to a close. I, I think we're going to transition to communion time. And I'd like to hand that to Nick. So let me pray while he's coming up here. Thank you to our worship team. Come back. I hope you're feeling like God's stirring your heart. Father, I just pray. I thank you that you know the hearts of every person in the room. You know just where each of us is in our journey and where our longings lie and where our destiny is before us. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would, in that moment, that we could find an encounter with you that deepens our relationship with you, that we could say that God is my friend and that you, we would hear you saying that we are your, that I am your friend, that each person is your friend, Lord God. Let the friendship of God being released in the earth in these days, being released in this room, in every heart. We just pray that in Jesus' mighty name.